Hello, and welcome to Enough Liquor, a podcast where we just have to soak your fire a little bit as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 89th episode in the series, The Impotence of Being Earnest. And boy, are we excited to stoke your fire today. (laughs) (laughs) This, I, I mean, hat tip to this episode title, it might be the best pun of like the entire series it's pretty highbrow i feel it's like it's very highbrow it's very dorothy-ish she'd be very proud of herself for writing this pun yeah english teacher <laughs> of course yeah, exactly sexual dysfunction i know exactly oh speaking of sexual dysfunction this episode and i believe like the next two are like heavy on sex sexual yeah. content like it was like a real horny slate for the writers here yeah i wonder what was going on <laughs> So get ready, team. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. Buckle um, up. But uh, this one, this one, I enjoy. I think it has a lot of similar themes to other episodes, namely, well, as we will discuss, how it ends with Ernie and Rose. Um, there's there's a lot <laughs> of themes right there, um, as well as I think we mentioned that exact theme of uh, sort of medio- mediocre white men that women have to sort of help along as like a a training girlfriend to get them to what they really want and are used along the way. I think we mentioned that in our uh, dark themes uh, post <laughs> about, yeah. the girl, about the show because um, we see it a lot, but, uh, but it's still really fun. And obviously the most memorable part of this episode I feel is the, you know, very when Harry met Sally horned up dinner table um, <laughs> yeah, situation. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Your nose runs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do a good job of like, which I feel like they have to to keep it both to keep it um, sort of like sitcom level for TV, <laughs> and also just to kind of like yeah, then to keep it like funny, they do a really good job of having Betty White, and she does such an amazing job of like delivering the nose running and like the lose your earrings and all those and like this tone that keeps up with the sexual tension of the scene but also cuts it by like being yes. ridiculous um which i think is a really uh an interesting tactic and and like very i i don't know it's just it's done really well i think they do a really good job of not breaking the any parts of the scene at all you're right. It's really balanced, like the way she plays right. it, right? Because it can't be overtly horny. Yeah. <laughs> like, because of just network TV, but you're right. Like, it obviously comes through. And while we're talking about that scene and just diving right into it, I what struck me was, one, it's really fun to see Rose sexually frustrated <laughs> just because it doesn't really match with, like, you know her the core element of her character but it also shows us how far she's come since the first season you know like the character development too yeah absolutely not only be able to talk about it but just to outwardly show it you know like she's right like, when she's complaining like oh if we, if we even held hands you know i mean like it's it's so interesting and it it's it's so true to the character there's no way that you question it as being odd like it doesn't seem like oh, the writers were off with this one. It's, like, perfectly in line. And to your point, like, much of the credit goes to Betty White for that. But it's still, like, you know, compare it to the third episode and, like, how we see Rose, like, so emotionally distraught over even just the prospect of getting sex. And now she's 180 degrees of being like, I want to fuck this guy. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think, like, similarly, can't even talk about it, right? Like, and, and in this one, she's still, like, a little bit hesitant, but it doesn't take much for the girls to kind of, like, draw out of her what's going on. Right. And it's very, like, Rose doesn't have a super big issue with being vulnerable throughout. Like, that's not really, like, her um her challenge but she does it is kind of a new thing for her in her 50s or 60s or whatever to talk so freely about sex yeah and particularly to talk about something like this where you know this is like a pre-viagra world like this is there's a little bit of which is unfair but I do think there's some sort of like stigma around like is it me you know and like they do touch on that but yeah I imagine that for women dating at this time or anytime before that this was more of like a sort of a mainstream understanding that it is not your fault and of course we projected onto the <laughs> the object of the man's sexual affection and not his can't be him can't be his fucking body but like you know like to even flirt with that idea I think is really um is really interesting and really like speaks to her growth that she's able to, yeah. to ha- talk about that so openly you're right I actually kind of read it as like part of her hesitation being that she didn't want to burden the girls with it mm. because that is a rose thing um it's almost similar it's similar in a way of like not burdening when she's looking for a job and then she has that outburst to Dorothy that says, I actually have been applying and no one wants me. And it's the same thing. Like you were saying, there is like this shame, like surrounding it <laughs> about right. being like, well, it must be me. Like I can't turn this guy on. And it's so like from a heterosexual perspective, it's like the trope is that men are horny all the time for anything that moves, right. you know? So it's like, if you can't make them, you know, have yeah. and like, you know, so I, that's a really real thing. And especially, I mean, that's the whole, you know, we, we don't have to get super into erectile dysfunction and all of the emotions. Why not? With it. <laughs> <laughs> but to your point of Viagra, so Viagra came onto the, first of all, it was invented accidentally like it wasn't invented for boners but it you know it it wasn't introduced (laughs) until 1998 so that's that's nine years into the future from when this episode is airing and it's like that's that's a lot it's a headache (laughs) medicine i think or like they were looking for a headache medicine i think right it was something about well, I mean, I think it was the blood pressure thing, right? Like it was the, oh, right, uh, right, right, right. Which yeah, so which makes sense for headaches. I mean, that's you know, thinning your yeah. blood is like what ibuprofen and stuff does. Yeah. You know? What um, a weird side but... effect when you're like doing <laughs> clinical trials. Seriously, it was something about it was something about your heart. It was like cardiovascular right. thing. Yeah, um, yeah, like sense. so. I mean, I'm I am not a doctor, uh, but yes, that was what it was intended for. And then, uh, you know, boners are formed by blood, so something happened. <laughs> There you go. You say you're not a doctor, and yet look at that. See, there you go. The more you know, look it up, kids. Learn um, about it our must bodies. Have been, like it really must have been such a, um, you know, a, a rampant thing a for these, for women. <laughs> yeah. Well, also just for women dating at this age, and like yes. I feel like the, for the show to address it is obviously, you know, progressive or or. Um, just like risky in a way but I do think it must have been so prevalent particularly for women of this age um and without something to do like that's also what I I feel like is interesting is like 
their suggestions to Rose to quote unquote fix it or like take a romantic weekend or like right. you know I'm sure like Spanish flies were one fly Lauren yeah. one fly is that even Spanish? <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that was probably the approach because there wasn't real help for it. And so well, I imagine that that was. was like, yeah. That was the thing. Apparently, like, until this time in the 80s, it was almost exclusively psychotherapy, right? That same idea of like, oh, just getting in a romantic mood, like, just relax. It's probably the same shit today where it's like, are you down by the capitalist fascist government we live in during a pandemic? Just do some meditation. Yeah, go for a walk. <laughs> and then in the 80s, they started actually like injecting drugs into your dick, right. <laughs> which oh doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think that that's it's really difficult, uncomfortable, all of that, you know, like that whole thing. So that's why. When the FDA approved Viagra in 98, it was just like, oh, my God, I can pop a pill. This is incredible. So, like, to your point, how frustrating for both men and women of this age at this time of, like, really, you know, having strong emotions and feelings and wanting to have sex in that, you know, pee in the V way. (laughs) It just (laughs) was not happening, you know? So, it's really, really interesting. Um, Obviously, there was, like, lifestyle issues, too. Like, if you were a big smoker or if you were heavily overweight, diabetic, all that stuff. But, like, that was the real thing. It was basically just, like, go on the romantic trip, you know? Yeah. Um, I do also love how Rose, this is, like, so foreign to me because I also just enjoy drinking. But, like, how she's just, like, I don't need the champagne if we're not going to have sex. I know. I do love that when she throws it. And she's like, let's do a play at the movie. It's cute. It's very cute. The champagne is an aphrodisiac and she doesn't want to be all like revved up if he's not going to be able to do anything. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Really, really interesting. Um, but so what's really funny too, I just want to do, speaking of, you know, I'm jumping all around here as we usually do. Um, enjoy listeners. But um, the, the part where Dorothy is talking about um, feeding Stan so many oysters when he passed a kidney stone, I had it appraised. Yeah. <laughs> what's so funny is that that's such a continuity issue from the way we met where like Blanche is telling Dorothy about oysters like she's telling Mm. you know her that it's like so sexual but I'm like this line is so incredible (laughs) it's so worth it (laughs) yeah for sure I think it's great so it's I I love that they do cover this topic and they also each of them have experience with it right like they're, they're they're sharing that like this has happened to me too which again normalizes it which again is so important in just the cultural context of the show at the time. Yeah. And there are some, the way it's dealt with at the end, I have some notes for like, I do, I feel like Blanche's reaction is a little bit like you, she says you gave him back his manhood. Like, Mm, first of all, that is not your job. And (laughs) second of all, his like, his, ED seems to be tied to his like emotional his breakup with his wife because basically it seems like he just needed like a spark you know like Rose was like the flint like he just needed some spark and then he would be like apparently he's fixed and now he's gonna go back to his wife and so I do think I have some questions around that like whether or not that would be um I just don't love Rose as like the agent for change there um exactly 
But overall, I think I, I think I prefer them addressing it even with this sort of like weirdness at the end. And then Rose does get a good shot and when she's like, if he can find it, he can have it. So <laughs> Yeah. I'll take it. He's probably the worst lover I've ever had so far. Right. Which all checks out. Well, and even this is what I this is what I was referencing earlier. So we made a, a complete list of the dark and dramatic themes in the Golden Girls of just sort of the heavy stuff that they carry, right? So impotence. <laughs> we have Dorothy also does the same thing with Ted, right? We've seen that with Bon Appetit. Um, you know, the man at the table is impotent. And they're like, they always, like, they help these sort of lesser dudes, quote unquote, get their mojos back or manhood, according to Blanche. And then the the you know ernie and ted both just like ditch them because they don't need it anymore you know and like in another way you know in terms of mediocre white men it's very like um you know blanche with the steven incident although that has nothing to do with sex at at the time it's really just an emotional thing but i think it's really (laughs) like you said rose gets the little little punch in at him at the end but yeah you're it's not her job and it's like this, right. uh, i i don't like well i mean aside from all of the problematic things about tying your your manhood to your dick um <laughs> <laughs> which is probably responsible for like 99 percent of all of the world's problems toxic uh, masculinity yeah. <laughs> yeah truly though truly um <laughs> but but the issue of like making it try to be okay for rose at that time i don't like that i it's just yeah, like don't don't make it okay for her this isn't okay she said she was falling for this guy she thinks she's in love with him yeah and then that's what happens after all of that patience and understanding and all of this stuff and it's like you know we don't get a good conversation or resolution i do think if there were more time in in <laughs> in real life if rose was right. having that end conversation with ernie she would have let him have it a little bit, you know, as opposed to just this charming thing like, thanks, I'll never forget you. Goodbye. You know, and it's like, she doesn't get a word in edgewise, you know, he just sort of like imprints on the situation and leaves. But yeah, I dislike the fact that it's like trying to be like, oh, well, he's happy now. Yeah. Rose did (laughs) a great community service by getting this guy to get an erection. Imagine. (laughs) Okay. truly though and yeah. is, is that not a metaphor for all of the misogyny that we right know? yeah I mean, it's truly. like this is the woman's work <laughs> jesus christ oh, damn. <laughs> um one other thing that i is i'm switching gears a little bit but something else that i feel uh is in this episode and i think is i think the writers kind of experiment with having the girls deliver lines sort of in the style of one another Um, And what I'm specifically referring to here is when Dorothy's talking about um, a butt that would have made Gandhi throw in the towel. Like, that reads very Sophia to me. It does. And then there's, um, I think it's in the next episode um, where uh, Sophia says something, like, in the style of Dorothy. And then, like, Rose also says something that I feel is is sort of in that style. So um, it's interesting to see you know, I feel like because we're watching them in, in a row, I yeah. am noting stuff like that. And it's it's cool because that, that Dorothy delivery is, is, I wouldn't say it's out of character, but it is definitely Sophia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, even what two episodes back when Rose does the like, gee, only a few hours of sleep, I could be as bitchy as you. It's kind of right. like it's like a tongue in cheek like acknowledgement of like the fact that she just delivered a sassy Dorothy line. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. I love that. That's awesome. I mean, this is like. <laughs> But then there are also some lines here that are just absolutely perfect for all of the characters. Like, you and your geek have fun. Yeah. <laughs> From- yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Jin, we're, Sophia, we're playing hearts. I know. I felt like drinking so. <laughs> That's my girl, the gin lover. I know. I know. It's all very, um, very you at the beginning <laughs> yes i know and honestly then, that folding card table that there's like, yeah. uh, like that's all we had growing up which is like a folding table there was a car a card table was that and you'd like break it out for parties or someone comes over or in front of the tv i mean great stuff yeah yeah that beginning line is fun and it is like you know blanche is really laying it on thick when she's like you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning in a house from from man and like, <laughs> yeah, i know seriously and you said she wouldn't take it well dorothy <laughs> oh good i got tied up in court oh what are you charged <laughs> with <laughs> it's really well written was so it caused great. by your drinking problem <laughs> totally <laughs> The, um, I thought it was so funny where she was like sassing him about an insurance salesman. That was Charlie, wasn't it? Yeah. Char- <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. Speaking of continuity, stand up for yourself a little bit there, Rose. But... Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Amazing. Um, <clears throat> the envelope, while we're focusing oh, yeah. on the earlier part, the... Yeah. the envelope that Sophia receives is like this old-fashioned airmail looking thing with like the red and blue stripes. And I found a bunch of those envelopes like in my grandfather's house and it's so funny because it's so apparent to me and I've, I've mentioned this before about like the bad coughing in the audience <laughs> listening yeah. to the as episodes with good headphones. Um, the crinkling is so loud. It's like a, a sun chips bag circa, you know, <laughs> year 2000 kind of thing. And it's uh, look up that reference if you don't oh, know. It makes folks, you folks. sun chip. Um, <laughs> French onion. <laughs> absolutely absolutely but um i think it's just really funny because I, I took the same envelopes my grandfather's house and they are just that loud and crinkly like in real Makes life sense. they're just so like you need the uh the audio meter of like how many decibels <laughs> is making it happen i just thought that was great i was like oh my gosh this is like the same envelope i have yeah um, it checks out you know that i came from exactly that era <laughs> yeah <perfect>. exactly <laughs> but um but yeah there's there's a lot of there's a lot of wonderful digs like the must have painted the men's room walls with the pizza hut yeah <laughs> and and just like talking about how in the closet there's the room left over for a medium-sized coal cup <laughs> there is just i don't get it neither does rose i mean there's, there's yeah, so oh many amazing little little pieces in here like we said it's just a very sexual episode <laughs> Yeah, and the the B story is so like we haven't really talked so much about it, but it it's pretty minimal, right? Like it yeah. runs through. Um, I have one sort of like scholarly piece, which is that you know I think this is kind of like a it, it obviously happens. Like I feel like in every mob movie or every like you know thing about the mafia, there is these little symbols that yeah. are um, referenced. And there's something called um, Black Hand Extortion, which was basically like a precursor. It was a tactic that was used by um, essentially like the group of Italians before the mafia, before the Cosa Nostra was was organized um, in Chicago, who would 
send anonymous extortion notes to their victims that had uh, an old country symbol called the black hand, which Mm. basically meant like, you better pay or, you know, you're in trouble. Right. Um, And so that was really something that, that happened for sure. And so like when Dorothy's like everything from Sicily means something that is real. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, does it make sense though? Does it tie in in any way with like 80s vendetta? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or is well, it just I like don't... more mo- is that like a reference to like more modern yeah update? no I mean okay. that was in like 1900 when they, they were replaced <laughs> yeah. by the mafia in like 1920-ish so yeah. by that time like also I feel like the symbols were two victims and not necessarily like internally yeah um, okay so yeah I mean there's some it, it's it's not exactly like fact checked by a mafia scholar but it's it's close right 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 well, you know, I'm, we'll have to review our uh, the the Gino Montanero written Sicily article that's on enoughwicker.com <laughs> discussing yeah. all of the mafia elements um, and how Sicily is just involved in everything. <laughs> but that's interesting. It's funny. They um, in Godfather Part Two, I think they say that the one guy that Vito kills for the first time, <laughs> whatever, when he creates his first murder, um, is part of the the black hand like that's his thing he's just an extortionist the entire neighborhood really interesting yeah Yeah. there you go and then yeah i I do do her duty (laughs) exactly (laughs) i worked in a little kiss of death (laughs) i was giving him the evil eye no she was kind of (laughs) cute she was so great it's another thing about like the element. It reminds me of uh, like clutching his dicky in his hand, where they like, yeah. read it in the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like Blanche leaving, uh, <clears throat> you know, what's his name's office? Um... <laughs> oh, yeah. Anna Maria yeah, Bonaducci. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it is a little bit interesting that there was a bamboo purse found at the scene. Like we never get closure on that. Exactly right. What's the <laughs> what's the loop there? Anyone see yeah. my purse? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh amazing um yeah i don't have much to say about that one other than like it again it makes sense with all of the sort of sicilian elements um and i love the idea of like it's so true to life where it's like dorothy knows some of this history but also everything is kind of a mystery since she didn't like come from that world herself where it's like oh this means something you know every <laughs> i know some of it but what does it actually mean <laughs> you know right. like she's she's only like halfway there kind of thing um where it's like you're not the only one with aunt regina's phone number <laughs> it's the same idea of like we got to try to figure things out from like a family history perspective which i totally relate to because i feel like it's like sometimes i know a ton of like family stories or like what happened here and then other things i'm like you never told me that yeah <laughs> to my parents <laughs> you yeah, know? I see it. yeah it's really fascinating um <laughs> but anyway back to uh bonerland um yes. rose went so when when ernie invites her to go away right and she's you know when she's bummed and she's like so excited and she does you know she closes the door behind him and she does this little like hop skip like giggle yeah <laughs> after she closes the door and then turns around and, like they're all walking in from the kitchen and she just like you know writes herself it is so cute it's amazing yeah, it's so it brilliant is. and it's just like that perfect like <laughs> it's like when she does the <laughs> from the pillsbury doughboy <laughs> yeah yeah it's That's just funny. really quick <laughs> it's just really quick but it's really perfect it's so perfect with her 
Um, it's sweet that they're all like it's sweet that they're all listening, and even at the end when they're like they come in, and you know sometimes you would maybe not want to admit that you've been eavesdropping, but I think it's nice that they're just like we heard, you know, like absolutely, absolutely. I think that really fits too with what you were saying earlier about how Rose sometimes is a little hesitant to talk about stuff, so like they're actually trying to nudge her along a little bit, <laughs> while right. perhaps invasive slightly, but you know. It's actually coming from a good place. Like, they really want to take care of her, you know? It's a big deal. Right. And if we're realistic, if your roommate is having that conversation in your home, like, you're, you're going to listen at the door. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. No, they made me do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, when they're actually on their, um, you know, getaway, <laughs> I absolutely adore that we're at this part in the series where we already have, like, the self-referential jokes. Like I mentioned, like, two episodes ago where you're saying you're saying they're like experimenting with them sounding like different characters and two episodes ago rose was like oh i could be as bitchy as you dorothy where they have like i remember once when i was about 10 (laughs) (laughs) and then she just takes a sip and he's like yeah yeah it's so funny it's really brilliant because it's a little hat tip to regular viewers but also it can be a joke in and of itself of just like, oh, sorry. It's just like my roommates always interrupt me and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, you know, I'm really, I was very impressed with that. I think it's the same vein of like what you were saying of like, they're so comfortable now that they can start kind of mixing and matching and like playing around. Yeah, totally. And you know what, Betty White is so good at that. Like, you know, just obviously all the time, but at that <laughs> scene, especially like, it's so natural, her pause yes! and inserted in such an unnatural place. And I feel like to... It's just, like, such good acting. Yeah. It's, I mean, she's absolutely epic. It's, like, it's, also, I, I'm impressed that, I guess, again, it's, like, due to time constraints, but, like, I'm impressed that she even knows what impotent means. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Me, too. I have that same thought. I'm like, you don't know what clairvoyant means, so exactly. I have some questions. <laughs> it does take her a minute to, like kind of I feel like in internalize it but it it doesn't um it is she could easily not understand what that word means I right (laughs) absolutely I think it's hilarious (laughs) uh Blanche what would you have done asked him to prove it yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh god but yeah the you know all of the the souffle talk it's nothing more frustrating than waiting for one of these suckers to rise (laughs) I'm probably the most patient person you know. Go ahead. Try to think of somebody else. I'll wait. Yes. <laughs> Everything is absolutely amazing in the way that they frame it. And, and so true to the characters. And, but, like, but growth. Like, growth in the characters. Yeah. Um, but, and the only, yeah, the only other line is at the very end. Which is like, she looks that way every day. What's her point? It is incredible. But yeah, you know, you feel terrible for Rose because just another another woman thrown overboard because a man can't figure out his feelings correctly and it's just like really irritating. Yeah, and I hope his wife didn't take him back. That's my... I know, it seems like we're just like, are you, is this just you? (laughs) Are you going off of anything having to do with her? Right, it's just like, oh, you guys broke up because you couldn't get a bone right now, you can. So everything's fine. Uh, Yeah. Right. Or no, the way I took it was even worse, which is like they broke up for actual emotional reasons. Then he became impotent. Now that he's no longer impotent, he, he 
goes back to her and she's like no i divorced you because you're an ass <laughs> yeah there's something there that his emotional stripe is tied to his ability to have sex like what's yeah, that sort it's of like really i mean again, we got some masculinity stuff going on there <laughs> yes exactly 99 percent of the world's problems oh my god <laughs> But, I mean, it's, you know, despite the one line from Blanche, it is handled well, and it is an acknowledgement of, you know, couples at this time and in this age who are dealing with boners in their sex life (laughs) having issues, you know? And it really, it's incredibly normalized, and what other show at this time could handle that issue? For sure. You know? So, but yeah, that's all I've got to say about boners today. Yeah, I think think we we covered it all. Well, perfect. Well, join us next time. We're going to discuss Mall Madness and Sport Nookie. (laughs) Take care.